Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A gamut of stuff we are going to look at today, including Hong Kong and the assessment. What does it mean not only for Hong Kong and the U.S., but the phase one deal? And Brazil's Safrina corn crop. What's going on with that? Is there any damage? Is it growing? Uh, what are the numbers that we're hearing coming out of that? And speaking of growing, we're going to look at the crops here in the U.S. as well. Were there any real big surprises in that first numbers of information? Information that came out yesterday from NAS. So, a variety of things to look at. We'll throw in some weather issues as well as Arlen Suderman joins us from FC Stone. I think, Arlen, we got to talk first on this whole thing with Hong Kong and the assessment. Are you getting a lot of questions about it? I really are. I mean, it's really making the headlines. It's taking the focus right now, and it is increasing tensions. And uh, I would say the grain and oilseed prices have held up rather well in light of these tensions. I mean, the natural assumption is with the tensions over Hong Kong that we will see uh, the phase one trade deal come to a conclusion. I don't think we can make that assumption based on what I've learned about China and what they're doing and what they're what's important to them. And the biggest thing working our advantage, and we talked about this last week and maybe the week before, is the tremendous fear they have of shortages right now. They believe they handled coronavirus better than anyone else in the world. And uh, since their ports were shut down, their supply chains were shut down during coronavirus, they therefore believe it's only a matter of time before that happens in the United States and Brazil and elsewhere. And a good example of that was uh, yesterday uh, when a boat loading soybeans in Brazil had one sailor test positive for, positive for COVID-19 they shut down operations on loading that one boat temporarily, moved the boat to a quarantine area, and resumed operations in that berth. But the story made it to China, and soy meal prices rose to a six-week high as a result. Even though they have, they're crushing soybeans at a record pace right now because of all the deliveries they're getting right now from Brazil. In fact, there's 15 million metric tons of soybeans on their way from Brazil to China right now on the water. And yet the panic is there that ports are going to shut down and they're not going to be able to get what they need. And I think that panic, particularly focused on Brazil, has them afraid to suspend trade with the United States. They want to keep that door open. Doesn't mean they won't close the door to trade, but I think it's going to be more of a, a last resort item that they'll keep in their toolbox um, because they are scared of shortages that could create uh, shortages of food down the road. I say that ripple down effect that's going to take place should that happen is probably much more severe than than the fear of the coronavirus at this point back to them. Uh, exactly right. Keep in mind that they just celebrated um, their 70th anniversary of communist rule in China. How did the communists take over in a revolution 70 years ago? It was during a time of famine, food, social unrest caused by food shortages. So they know the vulnerability of any government when there's food shortages and they do not want to see that happen. Looking at, you talked a little bit about Brazil, the Safrina corn crop. What are you guys hearing about that? Well, as we look at Mato Grosso, which is the largest producer of safrina corn, it's basically in the dry-down phase now. The last round of rains largely missed them, uh, but the corn crop still looks pretty good because they had a lot of rains there during pollination and early grain fill. 
and so the current dry phase is just kind of helping to dry down. Further to the south, you go to Mata Grossa de Sol, and then south of there is Paraná, and then Paraná is the second largest producer of safrina corn. It has been very dry. It received some good rains over the past week, especially this last weekend. So that has kind of brought the drought to an end, at least near term. Um, the corn in that region is anywhere from pollinating to early grain fill. So it's more subject to some losses from the previous dryness. We should get an updated uh, production estimate by this weekend from our team down there. Right now, we are expecting at least some modest decreases in production. Some of the other private estimates are reducing the size of their total corn crop by a couple percentages. I would have expected a little bit more, but it, in early indications are maybe it's held on better than what we thought, but, but we'll see. We do think there's, do believe that there is some damage. It may take harvest before we really get a feel for it. Well, let's jump the borders and head to the United States as we look at some weather worries here. Are you hearing anything as you have conversations with customers? Well, we certainly are seeing some problems in the state of Illinois, which is the state, you know, it's a pretty major producing area, so keep an eye on it. And when you look at uh, uh, yesterday's crop progress report, that showed up in some lower ratings. Nationally, we were 70% good to excellent. And in Illinois, it was like, uh, I forget the specific number, it was just above 50, I believe, percent. Uh, so there are some problems. If some of the corn is, is, uh, has been under heavy rains, which has caused a lot of crusting. Some of it is just starting to emerge. It was planted weeks ago, um, and so it's not as thrifty. Um, so there are some concerns, and uh, agronomists there that I get information from indicate that uh, they've probably taken the top off the Illinois crop. Other areas closer to home, things are looking much better overall. North Dakota is going to have some prevent plant. Probably now it's looking a little bit better somewhere between 500,000 and 800,000 acres of prevent plant for corn probably in North Dakota. Maybe a half million acres of prevent plant on spring wheat as well up in that region. Uh, we'll probably have some prevent plant in portions of the eastern Midwest as well. But when you add it all up, prevent plant probably won't be that much more than in a normal year for the nation as a whole. Lots to think about. Stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to look at this weather from a Black Sea region area. We know that they've had some issues with their winter wheat. And then a look at the livestock trade and what's been happening there on a Wednesday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue to look at what's happening weather-wise as Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. And looking, um, obviously, we've had some weather issues here. We know that I was talking to a gentleman in Kansas, and he was calling it the million-dollar rain because he said it really was going to be beneficial not only to this winter wheat crop, but the, the roll crops as well. Any other thoughts you have on what we've seen in the amount of rain and lack of rain in some areas? Yeah, we're still pretty dry when you go to the far western high plains, but uh, many areas of Kansas and Nebraska that had been dry have, have had some very good beneficial rains. I think a million-dollar rain is right on it. We certainly have. In fact, the western Midwest as a whole was uh, was the driest over a 30-day period of time. I think we talked earlier this spring that we had seen in, one of the driest in the last 40 years for that period of time. 
So we have eliminated many of those problems. There are some pockets here and there yet that kind of missed out. Um, as we go forward, we're seeing some signs that we might really dry things out again next week. The high pressure ridge establishing right over the top of us. And uh looks like we could see some 90s to maybe even triple-digit heat next week. How long that'll hold is one of the keys. I'm worried about it drying out the soils, obviously, but I'm also worried about it speeding up the maturity of the wheat, which tends to reduce yield on the wheat. So that is a big concern going forward and seeing how the how the crops are able to hold up to the heat next week. What about the Black Sea region? They got some needed rains, but did it bring damage with it? Yeah, they were very dry in the Black Sea region. Specifically, we're looking at Ukraine and Russia, uh, and especially the eastern half of Ukraine and southern half of Russia's wheat-growing belt. Most of those areas have now received rain. They're just the very southern part, I don't know, 15% maybe of Russia's belt that has missed out. But everywhere else has had some good rains. Some of the damage received was believed to be irreversible, so we're seeing production estimates go down. Some of the private sources uh, had Russia pegged at like 82 million metric tons before. Um, uh, we were never that high. We didn't think that was that high, um, but now we're seeing estimates around 76, 77 million metric tons. And we'll probably drop a little bit more from there. It's still a big crop. It's still a good crop. But every million metric ton you drop does have a positive impact on our our outlook for exports. Also, Europe is still having problems, especially in France and Germany, expected to remain dry in the month of June, which is when they're in their critical grain fill period for wheat. And if that forecast verifies, we could see Europe's crop size come down more than it already has because of that dryness. So it's looking better for U.S. exports of wheat in the year ahead. Jump over now, Arlen, to the livestock side. Uh, as states continue to open up, the demand for for meat at, at restaurants is going to hopefully see a pickup as well. Are we getting closer to some processing capacity in this new norm? Well, we are getting closer. Um, as we look at yesterday's data, um, we're continuing to add several thousand more head of slaughter, it seems like, each day. We're getting those numbers back up. We've generally seen cash cattle trade around 110 to 120, a wide range. Packers generally sharing some of the money with the producers. How long will they continue to do that? We're seeing the product prices come down. Apparently, we're going to share it with them, see the Packers share it with them another week. The uh, online exchange today, uh, there was almost 1,200 head offered. Uh, They basically passed up 115 to 120. Daily slaughter yesterday, 106,000. That was a new high up from 99,000 last week ago. Um, So we are making it back. Uh, We're still a million head behind on the cattle side. We're probably closer to 2.5 million behind on the hog side. We're going to be working our way through that for much of the remainder of the year. It's going to be a problem. But we are seeing the product prices basically continuing to trend lower suggesting that we're bringing more product on the market. But the last cattle, uh, excuse me, cold storage report showed that those cuts that the consumer buys were dropping in supplies because their supplies are tight. But those cuts that tend to be more restaurant and food service cuts, 
those are building and supplies and uh, so we really need that restaurant business back again some exciting news for the june cattle yeah, uh, and one of the things we've noticed is we June cattle traded over $100 today, and that also put them over the 100-day moving average with a close above the 100-day moving average for the first time in four months. So very positive sign there from a technical standpoint. Uh, until now, that June contract's been very skeptical that we would be able to uh, get the cash market to hold up until the expiration of the June contract. It's still some skepticism there. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? intlfcstone.com over on Twitter. My handle is ArlenFF101. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all of your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.